All right, Kev, what a weekend. What a weekend. The Masters lived up to all our expectations. Uh, it was filled with stuff not only in, in our lives, but in the tournament that are just super noteworthy, super, uh, you know, highest ratings in, in many years for the Masters and with, with you know, good cause for that. Um, but before we get to that, we got to start off our last episode, the Masters episode, our highest downloaded podcast of all time so far. So I got to thank, uh, I got to thank everybody for listening. I got to thank myself for posting on Facebook 800 times about it. And uh, yeah, keep, keep sharing it. That, that felt good. Um, I know Alex's appearance for the, the uh, dinners uh, got incredible reviews. It was electric. So we'll make sure to have him on here. Uh, I will be referencing him later in this podcast in a not so great way because he did something very noteworthy over the weekend. Um, but but yeah, man, a lot going on, a lot going on. What an awesome, awesome four days. Yes, thank you uh, to all of our supporters and listeners for for getting those numbers up. Like Ed mentioned, we did push it pretty hard, but um, you know, you guys came through and and listened for us, so we we truly appreciate that. And um, yeah, amazing weekend of golf, uh, despite all the weather sort of interruptions and everything like that, still able to finish it by Sunday night, which is what you wanted. And the ratings, as you mentioned, like incredible off the charts. I saw what the, um, we, the last year's coverage was beat by like a considerable margin. I, I believe, I don't remember what the exact number was. Um, and yeah, tough to, uh you know say why that is i think some of the live stuff controversy stuff like just in terms That's, of people wanted to see what happened with that down the stretch i 100 percent. i mean i so i i didn't mean to cut you off right there no, but go I ahead. Just think, so last year last year and this year sort of equally as uncompetitive down the stretch and the only difference is i think there was live golf involved and and brooks being a big personality on his own plus the live dynamic i think really kept people involved um, even if the golf wasn't ultra competitive like it was last year with um sorry like it like it also wasn't last year with uh, Scotty Scheffler so that's my my theory but yeah man it was uh, very popular I think, I think too it the the way that the coverage was done be, because there were like a couple gaps you and I texted about it like previous um, I forget what day that was but like looking to watch on uh, was that Saturday oh yeah Saturday the leaders happened. never came yeah. out. Yeah, so the leaders didn't come on, and they finally came on, and then they called it for the day. And then it comes back. It was kind of interesting. So it comes back, like, you know, early Sunday to finish and get the third round done, which they were able to. But you had to keep reminding yourself, like, how much more golf still had to be right. played because it right. felt like you were you, you forgot that you were watching in that third round. So even though, like, you saw Brooks slipping a little bit, and, you know, it, it, I don't know, it just goes kind of kind of weird to, to think about how the coverage sort of played out. I wish that it had been a little bit more competitive down the stretch. I was hoping just for like a couple, you know, for it to be competitive, like on the 18th hole or just something like that. But but in terms of the leaderboard and who was up at the top, I don't think you can ask for for much more. I mean, Brooks, like kind of surprised for some, for you, not so much maybe, That's but, right. uh, That's right. uh, but to like Phil, Phil, in yeah, second Phil, place, was Phil solo, years old? solo second by Phil. Um, yeah, crazy. So, um, I would, I think you would have to say the live guys like showed up and, and played like, uh, you know, some of them went home early, but, uh, you know, the majority of them had pretty good showings, I thought. So, 
Yeah, no, still guys that were good at golf, you know, a year and a half ago are still good at golf now. Brooks came through. I think you mentioned the viewership, right? I know we complained on Saturday. Sort of funny for for me. I know that, you know, me and you, uh, a couple other people, Alex went to the, uh, you know, golf simulator on Friday, booked a big chunk looking to watch like the, the, the main coverage. You know, we get there and then 15 minutes into the coverage, you know, the tree comes down, that that round's postponed. And then Saturday, I'm home for Easter. You know, I'm getting all geared up all morning for, for you know, the extended coverage. And then the leaders come on and you see literally three shots from the leading group and that coverage goes off. And it was just like, oh my God, like, give me what I want. But thankfully, like you said, uh, you know, Sunday, uh, it was kind of funny, like, you know, one shot or two shot swing, like right off the bat when they restart. And I was like, oh my God, it's like, this is going to be crazy. Again, not remembering that they literally had like 27 holes left. So tough to keep things in perspective, but yeah. let's get into it. I mean, you mentioned it, it was not competitive down the stretch and that's because, you know, John Rom just is a cyborg. He just will not, would not let up. Um, I know Brooks was not playing good, but I think, you know, at some point I realized Rom would just have to come back to the field. And not only did he not really show any, uh, you know, cracks in the armor, but even when he did, you know, sort of behind a tree on 14, still go ahead, goes in heads and, and sticks that ball to five feet, you know, there too. So just a flawless performance. And this is where I'm going to bring Alex back up. Great, you know, great appearance on the podcast last week. Great menu. Um, John Rom four putted the first hole. And I get about, you know, five texts from him saying, great pick on the pod. John Rom four putting. Wow. What a choke artist. What a bum. That was a great. This was, this was Thursday. This was Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. This was Thursday. Right. As it happened, just LOLOL. Ha ha ha. Great pick. Um, Oh my God. My, my, how the tables have turned. Uh, You know, I took John Rom. Alex took Rory McIlroy. I don't know, you know, who got the better of that choice, but, you know, can't be, you know, you don't celebrate too early. You also can't bury a dude like that on the first hole. But yeah, just Rom, just just untouchable, honestly, after the four putt from from there on, especially all day Sunday was just locked in. You know, his his gaze never really looked unfocused. He just looked like it never looked like he was going to lose from the moment they they restarted on Sunday. So. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's interesting how you uh, – one of the things you highlighted, I believe, last year on the Masters pod was how Scotty won with a four-putt and John Rahm opens the tournament right. with a four-putt. The alpha and the omega, it. man. It's symbolic. Yeah. <laughs> symbolic. It's very deep. Yeah, there's a, a great tournament overall. Um, just just really fun to watch. The weather stuff was crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, just really enjoyed that. Co- that course is just so amazing and unreal, like what they're able to do to the setup, like the condition of it. Um, so much history, obviously. Just just a joy, a joy to watch. Um, and, you know, so last night uh, I was a little busy. My mom's birthday is actually today, so we were out for, for dinner last night, which Happy is why we were not. Yeah, 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 thank you. Great. I'll let I'll let her know. Maybe she'll listen. Hopefully, now she, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, so that's why we're not able to record last night. But uh, you know, I got texts from a bunch of people today wondering where the you know the podcast was. And by a bunch, I mean two people. But uh, I got one. (laughs) I got one text just now, actually, from from Tom Kane, uh, still still alive in the pool. He said, uh, "No Masters Review Pod? Question mark. The people need it." So Tom, if you're listening, buddy, we're recording right now and you're going to get it soon. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, so I think I think Ed, I think we're kind of, you know trying to people are excited about it again. So we got to keep this momentum going, you know. So can't let it die with the, the Masters. We got three more majors left. That's right, and all these designated events, which we'll get to. But you know, victory lap time, victory tet lap time. I was ultra, ultra, ultra hot last week. It's been a good couple of weeks after, you know, after I sort of declared it was time to fade myself, I've been ultra hot. Uh, Bison really sort of scared me all week. Didn't deserve to scare me because, you know, he really only played the par fives amazingly, but you know, he, he killed the par five, sucked at everything else and ended up missing the cut. He actually uh, bounced a great chip shot off the flag and into the water, I think on 13, so honestly, not really deserving to hit that one, but I'm glad everybody was able to responsibly uh, pay their mortgages off and, you know, double double their accounts. Um, and then, yeah, like Brooks and Rom, like, I don't know. I I just had a feeling I, I Brooks was awesome, you know, in the week before. He's been a great major player. He'd been talking about getting healthy. And then Rom, I just, I, I don't know when he got left out of that conversation that he's now back on top of, of the best player on earth. And, and it was sort of a weird withdrawal at the players. Um, and then not such a great, um, you know, not such a great couple of weeks, but so dominant. Um, but, but yeah, the, the live uh, and then Brooks duel really kept me involved. And I found myself rooting for Brooks and I hope, I don't know what your take is on this. Like, to you, is this a sign that like old Brooks is back now? Like major, you know, major season Brooks? Because I I found the event way more watchable, and I found myself super super wanting him to win, even though I love Rom too. But yeah, man, you think he's like back to form now, or or what? Um, it seems like it. Yeah, I yeah, great great call by you. Obviously, with Brooks. Obviously, I mentioned on the pod last week, like it felt a little trappy to me. And and I said, I hope that I was wrong. And I was, and he, to have him up there is just better. I also was rooting for him. And I also love John Rahm as well. I think too much, I think as human beings, we're just too much creatures of what's happened recently. Right. So like the, too much put into the match play, too much put into the John Rahm withdraw at the players. Like, like the map, I myself allowed my, you know, I was tricked into thinking that Rory, <laughs> Rory was, you know, better than he was going. You know, it was just a hugely disappointing week from him. I, I don't know what is going on. Uh, and then he withdrew. He was supposed to play this week, right? Withdrew. Yeah, withdrew. Hasn't really been talked about yet. Yeah, I had that on my, sort of my my list of things to talk about. Like, dude, what is going on with him? Well, what is the deal? Like there's, it's so weird. Like even week to week, he was great at the match play. That was sort of, you know, what got me like, what got at least some people optimistic that he was going to make a, make a run, but yeah, like missed the cut, never even sort of even into competitive to the cut line. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. He missed by a lot. I was trying, I was following his round because I had him in you know, another pool that we do, as you know, and every time I checked his score with like any kind of optimism and I find myself, I'm like doing the math of what he needs to make the cut. Like on Thursday afternoon, like I, I don't, he just is like reeling, like all like bogey after bogey and just terrible, terrible off the tee, got himself into so much trouble. So many like par saving putts, like just even the approach play didn't look sharp to me. Like he was missing greens and you know, that's just very discouraging obviously for him. I, I don't know what's going on mentally with him he just seems like so off i guess but yeah but john and 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 on the opposite end of the spectrum like myself included too much obviously like 
we saw a dominant run from John Rahm at the beginning of the season that we haven't really seen in a short stretch like that in recent memory that I can remember, honestly, like Scotty did it last year at the, you know, couple majors and well, obviously like Scotty last year won the, um, uh, the waste management. And then he won, uh, I believe he won the match play. And then I believe he yep, won the Masters, right? So that's a pretty, pretty big stretch, but Rom did it like, you know, even shorter stretch than that right. uh, time-wise. So it was so like overwhelming because of that, I think. And yeah, it was in the beginning of the season, whatever you want to think of it, you know, think, take, take it as you will. But like, uh, you know, when he, when he's playing like that, he's just, it seems like nobody can beat him. So I, I think he, as you, to your point was undeservedly taken out of that conversation of top two. I mean, he's still in the top two or three going into the masters in my mind, but he should have been higher, obviously. Yeah. And he just looked like, he just looked like such a killer. Like it was, it's, you know, so few golfers, I think personally have like a, like a mean mentality when they play and Rom just looks like, like angry is not the word, but just like super duper fiery and and focused and like just almost intimidating out there, like a big moose, like out on the course, never crack, never cracking a smile. Like it just doesn't look like he's going to be shaken. And, and, you know, Brooks, like sort of same thing days one through three. Um, I know his, his putting really, really fell off on day four. And like, you know, the 54 hole jokes were like flying, which are just, you know, set up perfectly for, but it was great to see like two, um, I guess guys that are truer to being like an athlete in, you know, dueling down the stretch in like a real, what felt like intense, um, competition, very fun. And, and, you know, my favorite part of that whole thing, I don't know if you saw the broadcast, uh, where, um, uh, they they show like 16 and 17, like one of the feature broadcasts. But my, my last point about the Masters sort of connects to that. And Patrick Cantlay like needs to needs to give the world a public apology for his pace of play all day Sunday for 27 holes, especially that last 18. Um, never really in contention and just so, so painfully slow. And at one point he was on, uh, I think it was 16, the par three. And Rahm and Brooks were just sitting uh, on the bench, just both glaring at the green as he like slowly paced out like another 10 footer, slowly walked back to his ball, like shuffled his feet 45 times. Um, I know at one point midway through the round, uh, Victor Hovland actually chipped while Patrick Cantlay was walking onto the green. Like it was, it was out there that he was playing super slow and just, so my hot take, I guess, based on that is I think Patrick Cantlay being sort of the personality probably got a call from Jay Monahan to say, like, we got to rattle Brooks a little bit down the stretch. So we're going to play, you know, you in the group ahead and just be as Patrick Cantlay as you can. And it rattled Brooks so hard during that round. And I know after the round, they asked him about, like, you know, the pace of play. And he's like, yeah, like John Rahm went to the bathroom seven times during the 18 holes. We never had to, we never were not waiting. So I know he's despised slow play. I think it rattled him. I think it actually affected both of them. Rahm obviously handled it better, but they were playing, they played the first two holes in 40 minutes, which is not, not a good pace. So Patrick Cantlay, you owe, uh, you owe the viewers an apology. You owe Brooks Kepka an apology. 
um, just unacceptably, unacceptably slow. I don't know if you caught any of that because he's unfortunately somebody we're going to have to mention in a few minutes, but I have to just, I have to just drag him for a second. It's so bad. Yeah. So. Cantlay definitely does not mind playing slow. And also Brooks has a little bit of history. Like Clint definitely is a guy that gets annoyed at that kind of stuff. I remember uh, a couple summers ago when they played the open championship, he got paired with JB Holmes and oh, there was a similar yeah. issue. There's a very like famous video pointing to his wrist and rolling his eyes and walking away yeah yeah Yeah. like like he like jb's in the background like plumb bot like he he does the thing with his putter where he like lines it up for like 20 minutes like holding the putter in the air yeah and he's just like like walks off the green and like disgust so yeah he just has no time for for that sort of stuff but yeah that's an interesting take about jay monahan calling it in calling the pace car in to just get Indeed. just rattled that's Brooks. right that's right <laughs> slow it right down speed limit school zone enabled slow it right down yeah it's brutal to watch but yeah unbelievable event just like start to finish um rom a deserving winner uh you know i think undoubtedly will win the career glance slam at one point i think he's like probably got another another major this year in him but just awesome viewing experience. It's um, it's a shame uh, we'll have to wait another year. Uh, I know Morikawa said it. I kind of thought it to myself as well. But another year before we have to download the best app in the world again. Like, you know, we download it for those four days and then delete it. But yeah, like the uh, so the best event in the world is ended. But like the the cars don't stop. Like we're, we're on to another another big tournament, another designated event. So let's get into the uh, the RBC Heritage uh, Classic. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, another designated event. Um, all the top players in the world again obligated to play. So we'll be here. Uh, some will not. Rory uh, again withdrew very early, undisclosed reasons. Um, I, I sort of think it has to be like just sort of mental related. Uh, that couldn't have felt good to play like that with such big expectations. Um, Will Zalatoris out with uh, back surgery will actually miss the rest of the year. Um, was a you know a surprise withdrawal from the Masters. So um, sad to see him sort of struggling with that again. Um, and then yeah, Hideki I think is out, and that may be the only big name. But yeah, another big field, another uh, another another good good designated event at the RBC Heritage at a uh, Harvard Town. So you got any early thoughts on uh, on on you know the Heritage? What we can expect? What's what's exciting? Um, you know, all. um, yeah, so short course, obviously 7,100 yards, uh, very tight. Uh, another like strong course history place, much like the Masters, like you tend to see the same sort of guys like popping up here year to year. Um, you, as I mentioned, very tight, especially in the fairways, and you really have to be on the correct side of the fairways as well. Uh, and it's just because there's a lot of dog legs and things like that. So you want to have uh, be on the correct side of the fairway so you can have a clean shot at the green. Um, incredibly short course. So you'll see average drives of like 265 to 275 yards, meaning a lot of guys are, are clubbing down. Um, so that kind of makes it interesting in, ter- in terms of who you're looking at this week. Uh, but I have a couple guys in mind. The um, a lot of greens are missed here, making which means around the green play is important. But it also has some of the easiest around the green play that you will see. So like a lot of greens are missed, but also not incredibly hard in terms of the other courses on tour to get up and down. So I don't know if you're seeing some of the same stuff. 
Yeah, I am. Every, everything I read, exactly the same as you. Like driving really doesn't matter on this course. Everything's short off the tee. And then the greens, yeah, extremely small. Second smallest on tour are, are missed quite a bit. Um, but like you said, it almost, uh, I read a weird correlation between like bad putters get penalized less at this course because they miss so many greens, but like you said, the chipping is sort of easy. So all their putts are actually in pretty good spots because the short game is, is pretty easy. Um, much like, you know, this is a peat die track. So much like Sawgrass, um, which is another peat die track, and then Austin Country Club, which hosted the match play, like multiple ways and multiple styles of golf that can be played to be successful. And then that obviously puts a lot of different guys in play. Like, you know, it's, it's not a week where the bombers are going to have a, a advantage. Um, yeah. There's a lot of different ways you can play and it sort of, it sets up for some interesting choices when you're looking who to bet and who to, uh, who to take to, to make the cut. Um, I'm sort of looking personally ball striking being the number one priority along with the course history, the weather doesn't look too bad this week. So I'm not really taking that into play yet, but it's always something to pay attention to going into the, you know, going into to Thursday morning. Um, and then scrambling, not, not really putting so much as scrambling. Like if, if you got your guys get a pretty good short game, like he should be taking some pretty short putts. So you shouldn't have to worry about him missing them. Shouldn't. Um, but, but still may. Um, so yeah, I, I got some, you know, another stacked field, but I got some guys that I, that I really like that, you know, we just saw play well, and I'll start off with sort of my favorites that I like. Um, they're all in a row in front of me looking at the board. Um, I like Colin Morikawa and I like Victor Hovland. And the way I sort of look at them is just sort of your classic ball strikers. Like, they're, you know, both of them have sort of wavered at times with the putter and with the short game. Um, Hovland this week sort of did was was in contention. Um you know, had some, had some bad, bad misses down the stretch, to take him out, but struck the ball extremely well at the masters. And then again, if you're taking putting out of the equation with the small greens, like I'll take my chances with his just pure ability. And then Morikawa again, played very solid uh, at the masters, uh, wasn't really in contention, but yeah, if you want somebody T to green, like, like he's your guy. Um, and then slightly, slightly, um, further down. Um, I like Cam Young, uh, 22 to one, uh, Played well at the Masters. Like, same thing. I'm sort of saying the same thing. Like, elite ball striker, you know, a, a shaky putter. But, again, if putting is sort of minimized, then um, I want the best ball strikers. And he's been he's been playing really well uh, the last couple of weeks. So, that, that's what I like at the top of the board. Um, and, and, you know, overall, that's sort of where, where most of the people I like are going to be. Um, but, you know, who do you like? Who do you dislike at the top? Who do you, you know, do you see any value in the middle? Like, what, what are your leans here? Yeah, so uh, two of my guys you mentioned already. So I I love I love Morikawa a lot as well, and I love Cam Young a lot as well. So Cam Young is an interesting one because, you know, when you think about him, he's a bomber. He hits the ball super far. So you, this course isn't immediately what comes to mind in terms of um, what you would think in terms of successful for him. But I, I think he finished really well last year. I believe he had a top ten, um, and he, he clubs down, and hits his three wood like that distance that I was mentioning pretty much. So like it, it, he, as you mentioned, different styles can get it done. He's also got Tesori on the bag now, as we mentioned, and former caddy for Webb Simpson, who has had a considerable amount of success at this course. Of course record here. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's probably a, a big factor as well. So those definitely two guys that I like also some guys I'm a little nervous about. Um I don't know. Just JT has not really impressed me very much as of late. Um, 
just a little feel like his game's a little shaky at this point. What'd you That's... think of speed? What'd you think of speed at the Masters, by the way? Oh, exhilarating as always. Exhilarating as always. <laughs> um, I think him and Phil shot like a best ball 58 on Sunday. Like that group was actually pretty <laughs> crazy to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, but just like dug himself too big a hole to to come back. But God, man, it's it's always I say it every single week. It's just the best viewing experience is watching him play golf. Um yeah. Yeah, the I defending champion. I also enjoyed watching Scotty on uh Sunday. He went on like a four five, four or five like birdies. Yes run um and after hole 11 he had just sunk like his fifth birdie and i was like yeah oh, it's like, like okay still enough, don't enough do time. this yeah. so i like put a little money on him outright and then he promptly like hit it into the bushes on 12 like right yeah took it unplayable air, air and, then, it. Yeah. and made double yeah so that's how that goes but uh a couple other guys further down i like obviously kuchar is going to be popular um yeah. He did not get into the Masters, but I believe what did he finished third at Valero, I think, and then uh, had a good finish somewhere before that as well. So the game is trending, and the course history is there for sure. Um, and then further down, a guy that I also like uh, is Gary Woodland. So I had a really good showing at the Masters, uh, former major winner, and he's a guy I'm looking at for the next major coming up as well, which uh, being the PGA, because I think uh, that course, Oak Hill, uh, is one he can sort of do well at. So his number is 130 to one right now at RBC. So that's pretty enticing. Uh, and then I look today, he's 100 to one at the PGA. I was hoping to get something, see something a little better than that, actually. But 100 to one is still a pretty good price. So uh, I don't know if you guys have any guys further down the board as well. Yeah, I got two, like when we're going off the favorites. And by the way, I did love how Woodland played. It was good to see him back in contention. Um, yeah, always a guy that, that, sort of has has these stretches but it's good to see him sort of up on the upswing as we come into the major season um but yeah so going back to the the heritage um i like tom hoagie down at 90 to 1 just again if if distance is sort of minimized uh he's a great approach player and then all the way down at 300 to 1 uh emiliano grillo and again like same logic uh not great off the tee and not a great putter. But again, if those two stats at this course are minimized, like his iron play is, is exceptional. So 300 to one, you know, not, I I wouldn't put, you know, a ton of money on that to win the tournament. I don't think he has that in him, but like a top 10 is 18 to one. Like um, I know his, his to make the cut number is, is a positive play as well. Um, So I'm sort of, I'm sort of into that a little bit. Um, He's a, uh, you know, sort of a deep cut here, but the first golfer I ever picked in one of these survivor pools when I got in very many years ago and made the cut on the number with a a birdie on 18 on Friday. And I've been hooked ever since. So I got it at one point, did a play on him. And I think this may be the week to to put a little something on something for him. Um, But yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys that are going to be interesting to play in like these survivor style pools that have some, some good, uh, you know, either either good history at Pete Dye courses or good history here. Like Shane Lowry is a guy who plays great at Pete Dye courses. Uh, Terrell Hatton, same thing. Um, you mentioned Kucher, like as a guy with a strong course history, like uh, another guy who can be a sort of sneaky, decent survivor play. Like, I don't know with all these names if you could go there, but um, Kim, another one great, you know, a great iron player. It, it's fun to have a course where, you know, half the field is not eliminated because it's so long or, or, you know, a place like Augusta where you just can't compete without, without the ability to putt. Um, so yeah, it keeps it super interesting. For sure. Yeah. I think it, it brings, even though we're in these stack fields, it can still bring some of these guys a little bit further down the board. 
um, into play. That's crazy that the Grio uh, little story there. That's crazy that you remember that. That's My, right. For me, it's the other way around where I remember Jason Kokrak knocking me out of the 3M like end of July when I made it all the way to that point. And uh, yeah, that was that was brutal. But um, but yeah, a <laughs> um, couple other guys I'm looking at as well. A little bit further down. Uh, so we got, I got Billy Horschel at 150 to one um, is like a pretty large number on him, I think. And uh, I also like Adam Scott at 130 to one. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not really sure, honestly, what the course history is for the two of them. But uh, at those big numbers and just like the proven track record, I'm always willing to take a guy on uh, who, who's a proven winner and who is, you know, they're listing at a number that high. So. Nice, nice. You got any fades? I got the uh, I got the to make the miss make or miss cut lines in front of me. Um, I got a couple this week. Uh, we got favorite part. So my my two uh, are going to be two of my personal favorites this week. I'm jumping off the Justin Thomas train for a week, even though we finally you know got him to miss one at the Masters in crazy fashion. And this week I'm jumping on uh, Tony Finau, and I'm jumping on Max Homa. 33 and 30 or 33 to one, three, uh, 3.3 3 to one on Homa to miss the cut and three to one on Finau to miss the cut. Um, just uh, both, both made the cut at the masters, but both just did not quite look sharp. Um, Matt, Max, especially like, you know, another major where he has some high expectations, his game's trending in the right direction. He's had a successful season and just doesn't show up. And Tony, I, I hate to say it like sort of same thing. Like it's just, doesn't come together when it, when it needs to come together at these big events. And, um, you know, as much as I sort of drag max for some of like the, you know, the childish humor, um, I would love to see him win one of these big tournaments and Tony, honestly, one of my favorites. So, um, hate to see them keep underperforming. I'm just sort of banking on, uh, you know, a stacked field where, uh, every, everybody can be in play to make the cut and then sort of some shaky form and maybe a little mental letdown after, after, you know, an underwhelming masters uh, on them. So I'll go Finau and I'll go Homa to miss the cut this week. My hater section. You got, uh, you got the numbers in front of you, right? You have anything on what's, on, what's Hatton to miss? Hatton is two two twenty five. Okay. So that might be one I was interested in hoping for a little better number than that. And then um, who else am I looking at? What's Corey Connors to miss? 190. Oh, he, terrible, <laughs> terrible masters. Yeah. Yeah. Nine okay. over. Yeah, not good. Not good. That was a that was very surprising. I don't know. Yeah, coming off the win, like, you know, a great putting history at Augusta to see him just, yeah, not even like again, not in contention to be in contention at any. You almost have to say, were you more surprised by that than Rory? Probably not, no. right? But like no, still. No. <laughs> No, I will say this. I was surprised. Like, if you had told me Connors was going to miss the cut at Augusta, that would have not be, you know, incredibly surprising. If you had told me he was going to shoot like nine over and miss yeah, the his cut, score, like his strokes, score was a little shocking. Yeah, yes. his score was more shocking than him missing the cut. But yeah, Rory, nah, it's just Rory is the, the expectations are just way different. Okay, and Ed, wait, so you don't have a uh, Bryson to miss the cut unit size bet for this week? Because the people, the people want another one. Oh, uh, a bet? <laughs> you know, gamble your mortgage on on something? <laughs> no, I really don't. I really don't. I can't. I can't give those out every single week. That's right. You got to pick your spots. Yeah. When I do, when I do give them out, I will. You know, I'll advertise it. But you know, this week is a little coming off the Masters again. Mental letdown, like. 
I just, you know, I need to need to take a week to recover. All right, fair enough, fair enough. You think there's any chance? I, I read some people talking about a John Rom letdown, like made cut, just because of like the adrenaline dump here. Think there's any chance, or you think, or, or, or equally, I'll say this: What would you be less surprised by, like a a Rom? Let's. I don't think he has, you know, enough weaknesses to ever even miss a cut. But let's just say, like a missed cut, or like never in contention, or just steamrolls another tournament win right here. Which one would surprise me less? Yeah, because I can I can see both. But yeah, yeah I've, I've read some people that are just like Rom coming off the the Masters, like may not be as focused here. Like it's just tough to sustain that level of focus. Yeah, tournaments the, when another you... win. Yeah, like a, a steamroll win would surprise me, but the miscut slash like not contending would surprise me more. I think. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's just. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard. I don't think he. I don't think it affects him. I, I mean, it's a Masters win, of course. Like, right. he, it's, it's his biggest win, probably. Already, I mean, he's he, he has a U.S. Open as well, but like. But I, I don't know. I don't think I think he like expects that of himself. And I think that well, to your point, to your point, like the way he plays, he goes out there expecting to win every tournament. And so, yeah, of course, there's going to be like a little letdown here. But, um, you know, where his game's at right now, I, I just think and even the wins we saw him get back in the beginning of the season, like he just seems to be coasting to victories at times. So uh, just playing too well at this point. Um, I'm, I don't think he'll win. It's tough to go back to back, but it wouldn't surprise me either. Cool. Cool. All right. With that, I got, I got nothing else. I don't know if you got any parting thoughts here as we go into another designated event, big field. Um, yeah. Thanks again, everybody for listening. Uh, you know, keep, keep spreading it around, you know, give us, give us some clicks, uh, you know, spread the word about golf in general. Uh, shit's very fun. So hopefully, you know, we're looking forward to, to next year and, and, you know, uh, you know, maybe a mid-season revival to to get more interest here. But appreciate everybody that listens, actually. And um, yeah, looking forward to another great event this week. And uh, see everybody, uh, see everybody beginning of next week. I do I do have a couple closing thoughts actually? Oh yeah, before we hit sign me, off. Me. Yeah. So actually, a little story time here. So Ed and I are recording a little later tonight than we normally do. I did. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a teacher, so I had parent-teacher conferences tonight, finished up at 8 o'clock. So um, I got a text from my friend who's actually in the pool, still alive, uh, Dave, so also a teacher at my same school. So he was doing conferences as well. Uh, and he happened to be meeting with one of the students that I teach in sixth grade who I did not have a conference with her parents, so I didn't get to talk to them, but he did. And so they happened to mention to him in passing during the conference that this student, this, this little girl, sixth grader, was going to be missing the end of this week of school uh, because we have break next week coming up. So not an uncommon thing for, for families to like take a little early vacation and, and miss the last couple of days of the week. But they told him the reason why she's missing is because they are going down to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and they're going to be at the tournament. This okay. Weekend. So he said, Dave said to them, the parents, that if they come back with souvenirs, that there's going to be no need for her to make up any missed work from me. And if you're listening, that is actually correct. You do not need to make anything up if you come back with something from uh, from Harbor Town for me. <laughs> so that's a little uh, little fun story there. But yeah, crazy story. This girl, like, I, I don't even like,
like she has never once she's like incredibly quiet amazing student like has never once mentioned a thing about golf or that she's going away to me so for me to hear that was just an insane story <laughs> oh it permeates into real life i love it yes it's everywhere yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you were teasing that before we got on. I almost we almost forgot about it, but I'm glad we could sneak that in. Love it. Love that it again incorporates uh incorporates this podcast and the uh the, the tournament and golf into uh into everyday life with some random That's people. Right. Unfortunately, Dave, so we still cannot allow you on the pod, buddy, but uh we wish never, you never, <laughs> never. All right. All right, cool. See you, All dude. Right.